0: Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm back for another episode. You are in for a real treat today because I have with me Syed Hussein. He is the Global Chief Commercial Officer at Bankex, and they have an extraordinarily innovative tool so to securitization 2.0 operating systems for capital markets. But he's an expert in a wide variety of areas that we're going to visit on today. And with that introduction, Syed, first of all, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you for having
1: me on, Tom. It's a pleasure.
0: Let me just start with asking you, why do you think blockchain is so revolutionary in literally a wide variety or perhaps even every industry?
1: That's a great way to frame the question because I do think that blockchain is something that goes across just about every industry, whether it's anything in the capital markets or in legal and compliance, healthcare, nonprofit, government, essentially all the dealings of, I think I would frame this technology to be a technology that spans across humankind across the board, right? Across all of mankind. And this is a revolutionary technology that's going to allow you to do that. And the why is because if you think about the core foundations that are required for human beings to interact with each other, I see them at a very general level. I place them under two core elements. The first one is the notion of trust. As human beings, we want to interact with people who we trust, and the question always becomes, well, how do you institute trust? And we have all these processes that we build around those, right? But at a very, very basic level, what it boils down to is the core element of trust. And then the second element is uh, incentivization. So today, you and I are on this call today because I have a certain incentivization that I'm looking to realize through this call, and you have a certain incentivization that you're looking to realize. And then your audience that's tuning in, they have a certain incentivization. So we have to accept that each and every one of us, are we're all motivated by some sort of an underlying incentive. Blockchain technology the reason why this is such a powerful technology is because these two core elements are essentially what it solves for. It solves for the notion of instituting trust and ensuring trust. And then the second aspect that it solves for is it brings in the notion of incentivization across a variety of this different industries. So in other words, you and I don't necessarily have to have the same exact thing that we're incentivized by, but what blockchain allows you to do it allows you to essentially make incentivization a fungible resource where that we can freely trade my incentive with your incentive and be focused on achieving something similar for it.
0: And does that trading of incentives, is that facilitated by the trust that blockchain brings?
1: That's correct. That's exactly it. So if you think about an environment in which I know what it is that you're giving to me, and it's something that I trust, and it's been validated by some sort of an authority that we all agree is to be trusted or is is trustworthy. Then that becomes that authority of what we call consensus, right? In the blockchain world, and I'll come back to that in a little bit. But that centralized authority becomes that trusted authority. And if I say that this is where it's coming from, I agree to it, you agree to it, then we can always go back to it and say, okay, this is that notion that we're going to going to utilize to facilitate our internal transactions with one another. And at a high level, if you take a step back, essentially, that's how the whole notion of currency works today, right? When we talk about, I'm going to have something, and in order for me to get that something that I'm incentivized by, you have this one element that we're going to use to facilitate those transactions. And what blockchain allows you to do is blockchain brings in that trusted notion, as well as the, uh, the components to incentivize individuals to work together.
0: So could you explain for us what is the proof of asset protocol that bank has to build?
1: Sure, sure. So I guess before I discuss proof of asset, let's take a step back and talk a little bit about what do we even mean by asset, right? So we're living in a very, very fascinating time today, Tom. In the day and age that we're in, it is generational changes that used to occur over the course of millennia are now starting to take place over the course of generations. And then it started to take place, that began to get accelerated through the rise of technology. And then once information technology in the age of the web 1.0 was introduced, that started to get accelerated and we started to go to those generational changes to decades. And then that gap decreased even more to half decades, and this is really where we are today, is when we go from the Web 1.0 to Web 2.0 to Web 3.0, which is what we're entering into now with the blockchain revolution, really what you're looking at is these generational changes that are occurring. The time span is roughly, I would say, between three and five years. So in three to five years, you're having these revolutionary technologies that are coming in and that are really changing the way that we think we act and it's having an impact on culture, on government, across the board. And... One of the primary reasons behind that is the digitization of everything. So things are starting to become more and more digitized. But there were certain things that you can digitize and then there were other things that you couldn't necessarily digitize. And those things that you couldn't digitize were high value assets. So what is an asset? An asset is essentially anything that holds value that someone thinks that there's value behind it. So anything that holds value is something that is considered an asset. And now with blockchain technology, what it allows you to do is it allows you to digitize that asset, but you could have digitized assets even before blockchain. Really where blockchain comes in is that now you're able to put that digital asset in a format so that it's freely tradable, but yet traceable at the same time, so you can track it. So for example, it's crucial, and and a good example to use for that is currency. It's very important that if I give you a dollar, I no longer have that dollar. I can't just replicate that dollar and give it to you. Otherwise, the more and more I replicate that, the less and less value that dollar is going to have. So that dollar for me is the asset that I hold. Where blockchain came in, it introduced the ability to bypass the double spend problem. So similarly, taking an asset like a dollar or any sort of a fiat currency, you can take anything that is a digital asset. Whether it is a piece of art, whether it is a piece of real estate, whether it's some digital copyright, whether it is something that's, that's in the form of a video, whether it's any sort of an asset, you put it, you digitize it, and then once you digitize it, what you need to be able to do is associate value behind it. Well, what is the value and how do we agree upon the value? In order to know that, it's crucial that anything that gets digitized and is put onto the blockchain, there is something that exists in which we've agreed that the physical asset itself exists, and the valuation of that asset is something that everyone is agreed upon. So what the proof of asset protocol allows you to do is it allows you to reach a consensus mechanism in which the relevant parties who understand the value of that specific asset have come together and said, yes, not only do we agree on the value, but we can also ensure that this physical underlying asset exists
0: somewhere. Sayed, could information be considered an asset for the purposes of this securitization?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. So prior to my involvement in the blockchain space, I was heavily involved in data management and analytics. So my background is I'm, I come from both the high-tech side as well as the capital market side, so the merge to blockchain made perfect sense because it was the marriage of high tech with capital markets. And what we used to always say in that, something I used to always tell my team is that for an organization, after it's human capital, after the people that work for it, data is its most valuable asset. And what is data? Data by itself means nothing. Those are the individual components. But when you put pieces of data together is where you get the most value out of it. And that the putting together of data turns into information and information is crucial for any organization which is going to allow them to make decisions and differentiate themselves and put a competitive advantage. And that not only applies to organizations, right, institutions, but it also applies to individuals as well. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, not only Can information be viewed as an asset, but information is probably one of the most valuable assets?
0: Because it struck me in looking at the BankX KYC process that you would have the opportunity to perform a know your customer assessment through your protocol to verify the identity and background of any potential customers. But once you have that information, then you could put it in the blockchain format and it would be immutable for someone like myself or Someone else who might try to look at that information going forward. It sounds like an extraordinarily powerful series of tools that you created.
1: Yeah. So the KYC is one element. When we talk about our proof of asset protocol, really what we're talking about is it's an overall bundle. That bundle incorporates different components. KYC is a huge aspect of it. Today, think about the implementation of something like KYC in the regulatory market. So it would blockchain. The reason why it's gonna revolutionize everything is because you do it once, put it up, and now you no longer have to repeat that process over and over again. And because it's digitized, because it's instituted through the consensus mechanism, because agreement has been like you said, on an immutable blockchain, it's an immutable record that there forever. You no longer have to replicate that process over and over again. And as someone who understands the world of of regulation and of compliance, you can see how many inefficiencies a record that's been trusted, that gets a appeal of approval, that's put up there, that's there. And then anyone directly goes to it as opposed to individually do the same process over and over again every single time a transaction needs to occur.
0: Let me change the focus just a little bit and ask you about what is a blockchain-based smart contract?
1: A smart contract is essentially, so we spoke about, we spoke about trust, right? We spoke about um, immutability, and we spoke about security. So this is the power of blockchain. So what you're doing is then you're leveraging the power of that blockchain to institute an algorithm, and that algorithm allows you to do individual transactions. Come up with agreements around that individual transaction. Well, if you can take an individual transaction and then you can marry that with a follow-up transaction and then marry that with another follow-up transaction and then marry that with if this happens, then this needs to happen, right? Or if that happens, then this needs to happen. And today, we do that. We call that a complicated or a complex contract that we put together. But it's all manual. It's all manual. We put it in place. And then the expectation is that the other parties are going to comply. Well, of course, that's a great expectation to have. In an ideal world, that would be something that just flows right through. But we all know that as human beings, there's nuances and there's all kinds of complexities and situations change. And all these things happen, right? So a blockchain smart contract, what that allows you to do is it because everything is stored, because everything is automated, because you've already associated where the payments are going to go, because all of that stuff has been, has, it's digital, everything has already been put in, and it's all controlled via algorithms, you're taking that human element out of it. So what a smart contract allows you to do is those are automated transactions, automated execution of these highly complex transactions. And and by the way, they don't have to be highly complex either. They could be as simple as two or three transactions on, at a granular level. And then you can marry those two together and have one smart contract reference another one and build upon them like, like Legos. But the value that it brings in is that it's a set and forget. Once you've agreed to something, you know that it's going to auto execute based on those specific conditions. And then on top of that, What's going to end up happening is you can always introduce third-party data feeds called oracles, right? Third-party feeds in which any sort of, you can marry that with external factors. And then the execution of your contract is going to happen based on whatever that external factor is that kicks in. So for example, if you've set up a bonus structure or a success fee, depending on a variety of different factors, you can have those that data get fed into. Smart contract, and read off that, and see that if certain thresholds have been met, then only something is going to be executed. You don't need any third party involved to do that. Everything has been validated, so based on the validation, whatever the payment agreement was, it'll come right through to you. Imagine the power behind that. You're able to execute it, and if you were able to implement it, and again, I'm sure that as I mentioned, that this is something that is industry agnostic.
0: I'd now like to ask you about a term that really intrigued me both as a, a lawyer and the son of a former arbitrator, and that's smart justice. Can you tell us about the Bank Act smart justice concept and how that works for clients, customers, or other stakeholders? Of course,
1: of course. So, by the way, full transparency, I am not someone who has a legal background. <laughs> my legal background is just, just getting corporate contracts and structures done and dealing with a lot of attorneys. And in my experience dealing with a lot of attorneys, what I've seen is it's a lot of repetition. A lot of repetition. It's a lot of going through things and ensuring that there's compliance. So or there's compliance in terms of what's already been put into the contract. And again, we were talking about the smart contract piece. So that allows you to ensure that it's going to execute based on what the agreement was within the contract. But what happens if something doesn't adhere to what was agreed upon? Or what happens if a situation beyond our control happens. And of course, this happens all the time, right? So in that situation, even inside of existing contracts, what you do is you put arbitration clauses that for this arbitration clause, what, the, both parties can come to an agreement or if someone is in breach or you need to go into arbitration. Well, when you go into arbitration, you have an arbitrator who comes in and is then using some sort of a baseline to understand both sides. Well, if something is already digitized, Then we understand what those baselines are and it could be agreed upon in advance, right, in advance of the execution. So with the smart justice, smart justice is essentially arbitration on the blockchain. So it's a set of different smart contracts that are being referenced. In the instance that the smart contract itself, if there are some issues that come about with it and the, the two parties need to go into an arbitration mode. So the smart justice program or the smart justice module would be something that's, again, built on top of leveraging our proof of asset protocol. And smart justice allows for automation and pre-agreement and self-execution of arbitrations.
0: So, and unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering... If our listeners wanted more information on BankX work or any of the other topics we've uh, touched on, where could they go? So the best,
1: we're all over social media. We have a pretty strong social media presence. Uh, You guys can find us on Twitter. You know, reference us at hashtag BankX. We are on Facebook. We are on LinkedIn. Look myself up, reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to, you know, take on, address any questions, any curiosity. Look, one thing that we are is not only are we a blockchain organization, but we are even beyond that, we are blockchain evangelists. And we really believe in the purpose behind this technology. And we believe in its ability to revolutionize the market. But when we're revolutionizing it, it's what we call it is evolution towards revolution. A lot of people have a lot of questions around it, and that's where we serve them. We're the Sherpa of the blockchain world. So any questions, reach out to us, find us, go online, go to our website, www.bankex.com, or shoot me a note directly. It's Saeed at bankx.com. S-Y-E-D at bankx.com.
0: Sad. I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me today, and I look forward to continuing the conversation.
1: Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it.
0: If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.